This is Get a Real Job, the podcast devoted to people who choose risk over safe bets, who pursue their passion against all odds and are doing what they want, how they want, despite people and sometimes the voices in their own heads telling them they're nuts. When the field that I wanted to work in didn't exist, I created it. The only thing you have to decide is how hard you want to work. I really never went into the design of the restaurant of not succeeding. One way or another, I was going to succeed. I'm your host, Dan Bova, editorial director of entrepreneur.com. Thanks for listening. And now, get a real job. Hey, I'm Dan Bova, editorial director of entrepreneur.com. And as always, joined by my pal and the head of special projects of Hearst Autos, Mr. Patrick Carone. What's up, Patrick? Hello. How are you? Well, you're now, I'm great. Thanks for asking. And your knowledge is going to factor in heavily in this week's episode because, Patrick, we can all agree that cars are super fun to drive, but they're also super annoying to buy. Right, Patrick? Yes, they are. In all aspects, they are pretty much a big pain in the butt. Unless... You utilize the the services of today's guest who has cracked that nut with a super fun way for car enthusiasts to hunt for the collectible car of their dreams, whether it's a fairly new Corvette or that Mazda RX-7 you've been dreaming about since high school in the 90s. Welcome the co-founder and president of bringatrailer.com, Mr. Randy Nonnenberg. Randy, how are you? Hey, I'm doing great. Dan, good to see you. Patrick, good to see you. Good to be on your show. Thanks for having me. So Bring a Trailer is a a really cool site that is, it it touches on a lot of points for people who are into cars, whether you want to buy them or just look at them or just obsess over them. How did this whole thing come about? And can you explain it? Uh, Bring a Trailer, that's a very optimistic uh, name. Like things are going to work out for you if you go to this site. Well, yeah, the the name is an interesting one and everybody uh, kind of attaches their own meaning to it. Some people think it means you're bringing a trailer to, you know, bring some piece of junk home that the rest of your family is going to roll their eyes at. (laughs) Some people think uh, on the totally other end of the spectrum, you know, you bring a trailer for like a race car or a fancy Ferrari or something, you know, like you you back up the semi truck, you know, and something amazing pulls out of it. So uh, it is a um, sort of broad term. And we're happy about that. It's also, you know, you asked about why the website started or how it started. Uh, when I was a kid, I was always combing through classifieds in the paper newspaper, right? Instead of reading my school books, I was like looking at cars for sale, uh, in the San Jose Mercury news classified section for whatever reason, I was kind of obsessed by that. Can you you explain to readers what a newspaper is? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. I guess I'm a million years old, right? I mean, I'm, (laughs) I'm 43. And when I was a little kid, right there, yeah, no internet, no iPhone. So I'm, um, you know, the place where cars were transacted is you paid by the letter and the line in the newspaper to like advertise your car and you pay 30 bucks or whatever, and you run a classified ad. And oftentimes in those ads, uh, it would say if your car was non-run, I would look at the interesting cars, right? I wasn't looking for like a, whatever minivan I was looking for, like, you know, old Mustangs and old, you know, interesting motorcycles and cool pickup trucks. And if they were so interesting that they weren't running anymore, then, uh, oftentimes, um, the listing right in it, part of the vernacular was, 
bring a trailer. You know, here's the phone number, no email addresses. Here's the phone number and bring a trailer. And the uh, uh, name, when we were thinking of, uh, you know, the kind of stuff we wanted to write about, bring a trailer started as a blog, basic blog in 2007, um, you know, coming up on 15 years ago. And uh, when we started it, uh, we wanted to pick a name that would resonate, but also would be versatile like that. So we picked bringatrailer.com. That that's great. Um, was there, um, so you, so you started it as a blog. Was it, uh, was initially, was it like, this is going to be a business. I'm going to have a, a, a blog about cars and this is how I'm going to make money. Or was it just an interest thing that sort of grew into something you hadn't really imagined? You know, it was really just an excuse to hang out with a, with a buddy of mine so that we could, you know, have a project together and come up with something. I was doing this, uh, as my sort of obsessive hobby at night anyway, which it turns out a lot of other people do too, right? They comb, um, commerce sites. Now it's the internet, but it could have been other venues before that. And it was, you know, eBay for a time. Some people just troll and it's like shopping, right? It's like a shopping experience. You go out and you look and find stuff, whether you're going to buy it or not, you turn over rocks and you're like, Oh my goodness, you know, in whatever marketplace or, uh, you know, Zillow or wherever you're looking at stuff you may never buy, but it's kind of eye candy and it's interesting. And I did that for years and years after I first, you know, discovered eBay and Craigslist, I'd be surfing around, you know, looking for cars that were for sale, even though I didn't need them. And so that turned into, um, you know, a couple conversations with a buddy of mine where I helped him find a car. And he's like, man, you, man, you can find that. And, you know, you should write this down. Don't just let this go to waste. You should write this down so other people can learn from it and learn how you go seek this stuff out because you find the good stuff. So we turned on the blog and I tried to write one story a day about some car I found that day. And that's kind of where it started. Wow. Now that's, that's funny because that's exactly how I started getting into Bring a Trailer like years ago. I live in Manhattan. I cannot buy a car. It's impossible to afford a garage, anything like that. But I would just look just to see cars that I would dream of possibly owning and then, you know, sending them over to my wife so she can be like, what are you, crazy? What, what, <laughs> in what reality would we ever be able to buy a 1971 Alfa Romeo? Okay, like, I don't care if the price seems somewhat affordable. Like, it, but that's, that's how I got into it, you know, just daydreaming about the fantasy of being able to own one of these cars. Well, I, you know, I would, I love, uh, and, and I think that's what your, your site taps so well into is it is just, it's a fun experience. It's almost like going to a, a car museum in, in some ways, you just get to see all these cool different kinds of cars. And I wonder if you could explain a little bit, you know, for people who haven't visited yet, like what's the experience like, as opposed to, you know, going to eBay or the, some of these other sites you mentioned? Well, it, uh, it's DNA is really, uh, not really around the transacting of the cars, but almost more the stories of the cars, right? So the kind of stuff that we pick and we curate, even though things are being bought and sold there right now, like in the hundreds every week, the, um, the real impetus for why something would be on BAT is because it's interesting. It's not because it's expensive. It's not necessarily even because it's super cheap. Uh, but it's because it's sort of noteworthy. Like, why is this on here? It's, it's like a curated experience, like you say, like a car museum is or like an art museum is, right? There's a reason a piece of art is on the wall when you walk into a gallery, right? It has a story behind it. It's it's not just sort of run of the mill, something you find at Costco, right? So it's yeah. 
Um, so we started with that sort of curation mindset and it really resonated, you know, and it, it, uh, it, uh, drew an audience that, you know, wanted to learn, wanted to talk, wanted to contribute. And so the two key things about BAT, one is that curation and the other is now the community that formed around it. And so that's, almost a cliche thing to say in, in media and, and, uh, the internet nowadays, you know, communities and networks and that sort of thing. But the, the BAT, um, commenting community and every listing on BAT that is actually live and for sale can be discussed and commented on very freely. You guys could log on there in 30 seconds. You could write whatever you want about a car, uh, like Patrick's talking about that alpha, you know, the story he has and why he's looking at it. And that made it very, um, sort of vibrant and interesting in a way that that no other certainly no other car marketplace, but really not that many other marketplaces at all yeah. uh, had worked. If you think about yeah eBay and Craigslist and stuff, where it's really sort of anonymous and you don't really know who's involved or why right. this is an important item or if any of these claims from the seller are true or not, all of that gets sussed out in a really yeah. vibrant way on BAT. So that's interesting. There, there's also real like positivity I found among the commenters, which is very different from mm. most of the internet, right? <laughs> like, you know, they, they, they're helpful. Like the kind of they, comments they... that we get on our podcast. Exactly. Right. <laughs> yes. Go ahead. Sorry. No. Yeah. I mean, I just like, people are, are nice and they want to like inform. They want to like give the knowledge that they have. And I, it's, it's cool. Yeah, it's an interesting it's an interesting road that that uh, the community has come and and honestly, people ask me all the time like, why is it like that and why is BAT different? And uh, I mean, you guys have probably seen yeah YouTube or Reddit or wherever you go, right? I mean, you can walk into an absolute like bloodbath nightmare. <laughs> like it is not constructive to society. Like what is being said to people, you know? And it's just like, oh my goodness, makes you want to run the other way. Um, but BAT, for whatever reason, I mean, it was a lot of work and continues to be a lot of work, uh, human effort every day, you know, reading the comments, curating them, communicating with the audience, encouraging a positive dialogue. But I just had, I mean, I, I uh, talked to a guy who just bought his first uh, vehicle on BAT this week, bought a Chevy Blazer. He said, Randy, I'm not even a car guy, but I like this environment. Like it draws me in because I can learn and it's non threatening and it's helpful. And like, he's like, he's like something about the BAT community is, is sort of an oasis on the internet. And I don't, honestly, I don't know. I mean, it's not me, certainly. I mean, there's a big team at BAT that helps with this, so it's not my doing, but we've just tried to set a tone where, uh, we focus things on being constructive, right? Helpful and constructive. And uh, obviously there's some critique and honesty that's necessary, right? But, but um, just trying to have it be positive and helpful was something that this industry needed, right? You know, the used car salesman, right, snake, right. snakeskin shoes sort of reputation yeah, yeah. is terrible, right? Right, right? And it's well-earned. I came out of the car business and know that universe is, you know, oh my goodness, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't send my friends into that environment, you know, without, uh, without a lot of thoughtfulness. So anyway, the ability to turn that around and, and make it a community-oriented positive experience is really different. So I've got a work of art on my driveway, a 2008 Saab um, station wagon. Oh gosh, uh, you're a uh, Saab guy. You didn't you didn't tell me that before the podcast. Oh I don't want to classify myself as a Saab guy. I'm a guy who has a Saab. Um, so what just was the say, genesis of you getting that Saab? By the way, I, I never asked you that. What? What? what know, like I, why Saab? I don't know. 
why why am I podcasting in my basement? I don't know. Like things just happen and we find ourselves in places. But um, so from the from the uh, perspective of the person who wants to use uh, BAT to um, share his uh, valued car with someone else, like how does that work? Uh, well, I mean, there's the transactional component. Obviously, if it came time for you to sell your sub wagon or you were looking for a second to fill up your garage or your driveway. <laughs> That's uh, exactly we, what Dan needs. We could help with that. There's also obviously, um, I mean, just as an owner, there's a lot of uh, knowledge on there. Like whenever one is listed that is similar to yours, a bunch of other owners kind of come out of the woodwork and start talking about them and talk about the strong points and the weak points. And uh, okay. who do you, where do you go to service it? How do you get parts? What do you do? Um, the olden days of, you know, like forums and, and car clubs, those things are still around, but the, the ability for them to surface information quickly was, uh, sometimes challenging, uh, whether it's a navigation on their websites or, or, you know, however, however that was going on. And, and those haven't evolved very much, but on BAT, like you could cut to the chase really quickly with finding who owns one, well, mm -hmm. you know, how they're, uh, how the particular one for sale is working, but also learn a lot as you're an owner yourself. So you're obviously seeing a, a, a lot of, of cars come through your site. You're a car enthusiast. Are you tempted to try to snag these things before they hit the market? How does that go? I get asked that question a lot, Randy. Do you get first pick or what's going on? And we do see everything before it hits the website, which is a very unique position to be in. If you uh, are hanging around or have any uh, change jingling in your pocket, it can be kind of a dangerous sort of yeah. thing. Um, <laughs> we don't bid against our uh, customers once they go live, but we do uh, like I say, get first look. So uh, we give our employees, you know, a little bit of a look. If somebody's really looking for that Saab wagon and they've been dying for it for a long time, you can pick one off from time to time. But yeah, we don't make a habit of it. And frankly, there's so many cars coming through. Right. Uh, it's not like the website suffers as a result of that. There is just uh, more um, these days, more interest and sellers and vehicles going through than we can uh, really even handle. So yeah, but we do see some of the, you know, interesting stuff. If you're into that, you know, special Toyota pickup and it comes across or that RX-7, like you said, in the lead in, you want a first gen RX-7 GSL SE with a five speed in it. I mean, that's an unusual car and they pop up and sometimes you got to jump, you know, mm. uh, you only, you only live once and sometimes you're not going to get another shot and there's some special stuff. More coming up from our guests, but first, a word from our sponsor. We all want to know we have enough to get where we want to go. For instance, you either have enough energy to run a marathon or you're on the side of the road wheezing. So how about your startup? Does it have enough cloud computing power to win and handle the really big customers? Now you might think stable, enterprise-ready cloud infrastructure like Oracle's is out of reach for your company, but Oracle for Startups was made just for you. Oracle wants to help you land those big customers. So they're offering preferred pricing on enterprise cloud for startups, free cloud credits, and 70% off their cloud services. And with Oracle's always free guarantee, you can tap their autonomous database and other services for free forever. Oracle for Startups doesn't want you wheezing on the side of the road. They want you to have enough power to scale and land your dream customer. Visit oracle.com slash go to slash real job. That's oracle.com slash go to slash real job. 
and we're back. Is it what? Uh, are there any special rides in your garage that you're uh, the 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 apple of your eye? Oh, thanks for asking. Yeah, well, I mean, kind of why BAT started is my weird and diverse taste in things, you know. So I am one of those people that is absolutely all over the map. There's some people that are like a Porsche person or a you know Chevy person or. But I am, man, I, I have a French car. I have a Renault R5 that I drive. I have a Toyota pickup that was like my dream in high school. So I bought uh-huh. that, a 94 SR5. Um, and then I, I like old BMWs. I'm German um, by heritage. So I like early BMWs. So I have an old 5 Series BMW that is that is pretty sweet. And I'm kind of modifying and restoring. I like getting my hands on cars and wrenching on them and, and doing stuff like that. That's kind of another aspect of BAT. There's a lot of hands-on folks on BAT, right. uh, myself included. So project cars and interesting parts and memorabilia and stuff are kind of part of that whole universe. So do you think lesser of Patrick because he doesn't actually own a car? Like even uh, I mean, Patrick has a unique position. Magazine folks always have a unique position because they end up in the fanciest, shiniest stuff and oh, no. they never own <laughs> it, damn. right? So they're the people that look really fancy rolling up to the party, but then you realize, wait a minute, that's not even his 7 Series. Yeah. How's he driving that thing? <laughs> So that's kind of the normal deal with magazine folks. You kind of got to, you know, you look up to them, but then you kind of shake your head at the same time. So I, I don't know, Actually, Patrick, I don't even know what you have. I thought you did have a car or two in the stable these days, but maybe not. No, nothing. And then you have jerks like Dan, who, if, you know, I'm nice enough to give him a ride to the party and said seven series, he immediately says, oh, well, that's not Patrick's. He just <laughs> after the he outs He's got you. it for the weekend. Yeah, he outs you immediately. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> well, that's I, tough. We all feel really sorry for you, Patrick. Driving yeah, yeah, it's in just the tough stuff. life. Um, I did. I was the recipient of uh, a test driving a Lamborghini Urus. I don't know if I'm saying that right, uh, but it was parked on my driveway for about a week, and my neighbors were like, "What in the fuck is going on here?" <laughs> They're like, "Did you start selling drugs?" Like. <laughs> Your car costs more than your house. Like, what's going on here? That's the standard podcaster in his basement deal, right? Which shows up in a shows up in a Lambo. Like, nobody understands the podcast or the uh, YouTube world, but that's how it works. You know, a few microphones, and then you got Lamborghinis. That's like uh, my mom lives on the south shore of Long Island in a very, let's just say, mob-friendly area. And so when I go to visit her, I'll always be in like a different supercar. So I like to think that the neighbors think this guy, he might be connected. Yeah. Let's, let's be really nice to Mrs. Corona. Right. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's help her with her groceries. Let's make sure her lawn is always clear. There's never any snow piling up. Like, let's just, let's just stay on the right side of junior. That's great. So, so for, you know, the, the, the business of bring a trailer, you know, how does it work for you? Are you getting a percentage of the sale or how how does that work? Yeah, obviously that's an important part. And, and what has been so amazing for the ride the last few years is we uh, started listing cars early on. Once we had an audience, people said, Hey, you're writing about my car on Craigslist or on a dealer site. Why can't I just list it straight with you? So we became a marketplace Uh, But that was all fixed price and people argued over the cars. So we knew we needed a bidding model. So we started bringing trailer auctions in 2014. Uh, Turned that on really as an experiment. Nobody had done it uh, in in a social community sort of way 
our really our only competition was eBay, which had cars on it, and we were doing it really differently. And so, yeah, here we are. Fast forward, we've done fifty thousand cars since then. We're about to hit fifty thousand um, lots on the website, and uh, it is all auction based, and it's really a refined sort of a model oriented around these types of vehicles and the type of bidding war that results uh, on seven day online auctions. And we um, take a little bit of a fee there, but the interesting, really interesting thing uh, potentially for your audience is that the reason it's different is it's been really disruptive to the physical auction world, which was another place. If you weren't mm. selling online, you were often selling at these big name auction houses um, that also sell, you know, art and real estate and, you know, the, the Sotheby's of the world and the, the Bonhams of the world, these big names. And they have a massive commission structure, right? I mean, they get people for like 10% coming and going and make, yeah. they can make hundreds of thousands on a single expensive vehicle, which is crazy. And I always was like, you know, coming from the perspective of, man, if there's 10 or 20 grand just in commission on that, that's a car in and of itself, right? My right, car that yeah. I was driving was like four grand. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, what are we yeah. talking about? <laughs> so I was just like, that needs that needs to be adapted for the online audience and scale. And so we really came in as a much cheaper price point with a 5% uh, fee and it's capped for cars over hundred grand. And anyway, we did some interesting financial um sort of levers that we pulled to really make it different and compelling. And I think that's one of the reasons for its big success over the past couple of years is it's really a much more efficient way to do it. Now, did you, uh, going into all this, you know, were you a, uh, a tech guy? Did you understand how all this was going to work? Did you, uh, you know, in terms of like the site and the, and the building this whole thing out, or were you kind of like figuring it out as you went along or, 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 were you just, as you needed stuff, you hired the person who knew how to do that? Um, I started with a buddy of mine. And like I had mentioned earlier, and he was more tech savvy than I was. Uh, I was more on the customer and the automotive side uh, and the product side. And, and yeah, he was very much on the tech side and helped us get up off the ground. But there were some things that were going to be sort of clear once the audience started to come. We were like, oh, interesting. This is how this is going to grow. And this is how people are going to hear about it. And this is why being a less expensive option, but for scale makes sense. Um, and yeah, I mean, entrepreneur.com, here we are, right? I mean, a lot of people have a business case and go borrow money and like come up with a valuation. And like, I'm, I'm here in Silicon Valley, right? I mean, this is the normal deal. I'm the only one of all my friends who started a company and we made it up as we went. We bootstrapped it. We didn't take any investors. We just mm. kind of faked it for the long road instead of the, you know, rocket ship to the moon sort of fast road that a lot of people go for. And so it's really different as a result, but we really needed that credibility with the community to grow over a long time. And so if we had just turned it on and marketed it, uh, we've seen other sort of copycats show up that like have no community because they, you know, borrowed a few million bucks and built a sweet website and now they have a car auction, but it's, uh, it has a very different flavor than BAT does because we took this granted very painful long road of building it and bootstrapping it. And that's right. why the, the community uh, believes in it, I think. That's great. Now, are there um, any uh, certain cars, certain models that tend to, you know, fly off your site as soon as they go up? Uh, you know, for people out there who maybe 
uh, their parents have one parked in the driveway that they haven't driven in 15 years. As you said, you know, it's not necessarily a Ferrari or something like that, obvious, but, you know, a brand that people just, just love from the 90s or the 80s or something like that. Yeah, that's a great question. And we um, see all sorts of trends come and go, right? I mean, the, the site's been around for a while now. We've seen a few cycles, like something will get hot and then it'll cool off and then the next thing will get hot. Um, and our inventory and curation tends to revolve around, uh, sort of special and interesting stuff. So yeah, there's not a lot of Camrys, uh, like is parked in mom's driveway or used to be, but there are, you know, somewhat run of the mill cars that you maybe wouldn't expect, um, that end up, uh, being really sort of sought after because they have low miles or they survive the test of time. Right. I don't know if anybody out there, or you're, uh, moms and dads drove like Jeep Grand Wagoneers with wood paneling on the side or whatever back in the day. Those used to be in my neighborhood back in the day. Yeah, yeah. Um, and those things, man, a good one is worth a fortune now, right? I mean, things like that, that were just sort of in our driveways as kids, scarcity drives demand and and um, and interest. And in a, in a bidding environment, if it's something that's not going to come along again tomorrow, they go really nuts. So I would say to, to more broadly answer your question, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, European sports cars, you know, Porsches, BMWs, and special Mercedes and stuff like that, those see a ton of action uh, really all over the internet and the enthusiast world. But really on our website, the way the cars are presented, they see a ton of action. But what you may not expect is, yeah, vintage SUVs like that Jeep, like Broncos, like Blazers, all these sorts of things. And even edging up into the 80s and 90s versions of that Um are highly sought after and they're, mm. they're sort of the Instagram dream. Now, you know, you see people at the beach parked in one of those and you kind of want that life. Right, uh, right. And people, people are paying up for that. It's pretty wild. That's great. Uh, have you, um, uh, and I'll let you go soon, but do have you seen something go for, uh, a, a number that you couldn't believe that car just sold for that much money? I mean, it happens all the time. Um, that can be really old vintage 50s and 60s stuff. But the more interesting one maybe um, for your audience could be, uh, yeah, Hondas and Acuras of the 80s and 90s. I mean, huh. I don't know if anybody thought, I mean, those were all through my high school parking lot. Yeah. Uh, in the Those 90s. were the cool cars, yeah. They yeah. were cool, but they weren't like, um, yeah, I mean, they, they were, were still cool. like, they were, they I don't were know. Attainable. Right. Yeah. yeah, they were six or eight grand back then, right? But um, and uh, but the whole point of that is none of them survived, right? High school kids thrashed them, college kids thrashed them. They got stolen in L.A. and you know stripped down and whatever else. So you find a good one, yeah. We put a good uh, Honda Civic Si or a good uh, Acura Integra, even more basic ones, but certainly the special GSR models and that sort of stuff. And there is a huge following for those. That is just this massive appetite. And it's been really cool to see Japanese cars kind of come into their own as meaningful collectibles in the, in the car space and, and some other sort of unsung models like that. So, uh, yeah, I'd say we've seen a few of those. You can go search all of those. Everything on BAT is permanent. So you can go search like the archives for the trends for what those sold for and use it as sort of a research tool. And a lot of people do that. It's fun to look at. I'm just kind of curious, is there a big, when you're talking about cars like that, is there like a big distinction between if they have a stick shift versus an automatic? Like, is there a, a surprisingly big chunk of uh, money that's different in, in terms of how much people are willing to spend? Or is it comparable? 
it really depends on the model. Um, but yeah, some of those are are more sports and enthusiast minded. And, and so the enthusiast will pay up for a manual transmission. You hear so much, I mean, uh, in terms of modern day cars, the dwindling manual transmissions and kids yeah. don't even don't know how to drive them and whatever else. But the older models, uh, when I'm saying older, I mean, 80s, 90s, even 2000s models that that were kind of some of the more rare models with stick shifts in them, they, they do trade at a, at a premium, but there's some weirdo things where, you know, in trucks and some other different things, actually automatics and particularly automatics with overdrive, um, they'll get a premium. So it really goes model by model. Interesting. So how many cars do you need to have before you can call yourself a car collector? Um, honestly, I, I think you can be, you can have one. I think it's kind of hard to argue that you could have zero, zero cars and calling yourself a car collector <laughs> is probably, Patrick, I don't know, maybe you can define this one, for yeah. but, uh, but I would say that, um, yeah, there are a lot of people try to define like what's collectible and what's not, and are you a collector or not? I don't know. I mean, if you have, uh, you know, one old weird 70 Schwinn bicycle, I'd call you a collector of Schwinn bicycles. I don't know more than, <laughs> more than I am. Right. So if you got one 65 Mustang, are you a car collector? Sure. You've collected enough parts to drive down the road, hopefully. And, and, uh, that's half of it. So I don't think you'd need some airplane hanger full of cars or Jay Leno <laughs> or whatever. Um, I think as, as long as you got one and, and you're kind of stoked on it, that's good enough for me. A hanger full of uh, Jay Leno's would be uh, terrifying. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> oh, sorry, did I misspeak there? <laughs> no, yeah, no, sorry. There's only he's one of a kind, but I he's got a hanger full of a zillion cars, as some people may know. Uh, and oh, one last question, just wondering. You know, you've had success, uh, obviously, success with this this big passion point for you and for for customers. Have you thought about you know taking what you've learned? with cars and applying it to any other kind of, uh, you know, avenue of collectibles? Uh, good question. Yeah. So the, I mean, the model works obviously on cars and once we proved it, even in sort of the earlier days of the website, yeah, it's like, man, where do you take this? Do you take it into really close other adjacent verticals like motorcycles and planes and boats, or do you like go way off the, off the map and do who knows like real estate and, you know, fashion and all sorts of different stuff. Um, we now have really vibrant categories on BAT for the, for the kind of close by categories. We have, you know, a dozen motorcycles going every week and we have, we've, we sold a museum full of boats, you know, we sold like 50 boats for them, you know, that sort of stuff. Wow. Uh, which was super duper cool. Um, so there's some things that like motorized transport, um, makes a lot of sense. Um, but we haven't veered off into, you know, other sites or different, you know, cloning it elsewhere. Some other folks are trying to do that and, and, you know, good for them. We'll see if they can pull it off, but the, uh, we've, we've really wanted to stay tight around our passion points and what we're excited about doing. And, uh, that hasn't been handbags that has been, uh, sports cars and, and, uh, fun stuff, uh, like we have on bring a trailer. So we've stayed tight so far. All right. Excellent. Well, Randy, really awesome hearing about this. And for you or anyone listening, you want a sweet 2008 Saab Station Wagon 9.3. It only smells slightly moldy inside. It could be yours for a song. So just reach out. Let me know. Oh, we will certainly do that. Appreciate <laughs> it. Thanks for having me on the show. Really appreciate All it. All right. Great talking Thanks, to you, Thanks, Randy. Take care. That's our episode, folks. Hope you enjoyed it. 
Get a Real Job comes out every Tuesday. So be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you harvest your favorite podcasts. Leave us a review. Give us a share. Don't make me beg people. Go to entrepreneur.com for new episodes of this and to listen to our other great podcasts. Thanks. Thanks.